This is the Patriot Radio News Hour, brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group. For all your gold and silver buying needs, call them at 1-800-951-0592 or log on to allamericangold.com. Broadcast for Monday, August the 29th, 2016. Hey, good morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour on a Monday. Welcome, everybody. My name's Homer Lopez. I'm so happy you've joined us today. Hey, what do we do? The physical delivery of gold and silver, legal, lawful, constitutional tender. She's back. Wendy's back to take your calls, and we missed her. And she's here to take your calls, walk you through your orders, and Joe is just so happy she's back. This show is brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group. His name is Joe. He is the CEO and owner of the Patriot Trading Group. Everything that you see on the website and everything behind this show is Joe. Joe Jaquin, the <laughs> owner of the company. And let me just tell you one thing. Joe is following certain paths of great leaders. I don't know if you know this, but Oprah had a great book club. And now Joe has started offering those of us that are like-minded, that want to learn opportunities and guides to the right books. I will tell you this, he won't be going, and you get a new car, and you get a new car, and you get a new car. No, Pete's just here to offer the research that is delivering economics with attitude. Joe, how are you on a Monday, man? Hey, happy Monday to everybody. I've got some updates. Uh, the rhodium is supposed to be in our possession today or tomorrow I got word from the Bullion Bank. It shipped out Friday uh, from the Bullion Bank, so as soon as it got in. So uh, it was a few days late, but not too bad. So we'll have that here, obviously, this week. This is your first time ever doing rodeo, right? I've never right? seen it. So I'm excited to I'm kind excited of take a look at this product myself. Well. Um, we were back-ordered on some 10-ounce gold eagles. Those are in the same shipment, uh, so they will be here as well. There's a couple pe- people waiting for those, and... Uh, We'll be all caught up either today or tomorrow uh, when it comes to the shipping department. And and I just wanted to, to let those of you out there that may be waiting, uh, they are going to be here. And uh, it should be, like I said, either today or tomorrow. Of course, everybody's trying to figure out what a meeting at Jackson Hole. Uh, maybe one for the ages, one for the record book. I, I've never seen it. And I will tell you the mainstream media, wow, they're good. They are so, so good. Because if, if you listen to Friday's podcast, you will understand that pretty much the entire speech that Janet Yellen gave had nothing to do with rate hikes. Matter of fact, it actually had everything to do with the opposite of that. Which is, hey, don't worry. We've done our homework and we've studied the math. And they came out and she came out when she had all kinds of pretty graphs. She had charts. She had different colored lines. Some of them were even dotted. It had dashes in. I mean, you was, know, this, real, was this a PowerPoint presentation? Uh, you know, it was. It was a PowerPoint presentation where they said, see, when this happens, then we're going to do this, and then that's going to happen, and we're going to do that. And see, don't worry. 
Because all we're going to do is keep on printing money until it no longer has any value. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to have a controlled negative rate policy. That was essentially what she said. Matter of fact, she even put a price tag that the next time there's a recession, not even really a crisis, you know, all of the things that they did, think about this, all of the things that they did, bailed out the banks, bailed out the insurance companies, right, didn't, didn't, allow for the cleansing that needed to be done to occur. They had brought interest rates down to nothing, punishing all of us savers out there, robbing right from us. They they went out and purchased $4 trillion worth of bonds, made it up out of thin air. We continue to run monumental deficits that the world has never seen. But they did it under the guise of it was an emergency. Hey, we we wouldn't normally do it, but this was a crisis. And now what Janet Yellen in her speech from Jackson Hole so, I mean, really eloquently put it, I'm at a Homer, I gave her an attaboy. I did. I was like, wow, this may be the best I've ever seen Janet Yellen. You absolutely did. I, it was the closest to the truth that we've got from the central bank in a long, long time, which is, don't worry, this is going to be now our new policy. It's the new norm. It's the new normal. Anytime it slows down, we're going to start printing money. And, of course, we already know. And this is the thing, the, you know, what do they say when you continually hit your head against the wall? What do they call that? And you expect different results? Well, I mean, uh, it's a philosophy. I think it was a... Uh, uh, keep doing the same thing, expecting a different, different result. result. Right? Uh, that's the definition of insanity. Definition of insanity. Thank you. I couldn't yeah. come with definition no, it of second, insanity. Yeah. Right? And this is them. We already know that every time they try to do this, these quote-unquote recoveries get worse and worse and worse. And yet, what is their solution every single time? And Janet Yellen even put a price tag on it. She says, the next time, just for, we're going to immediately, just for starters, we're going to start with $2 trillion. <laughs> What? I mean, what happens when it's four trillion, eight trillion, twelve trillion, twenty trillion? There's not enough trillions in all the world to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's when you're going to be glad you have some gold. Take Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. The best and the brightest, all the great banking minds gathered in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they they had all the academia there. They had all of the big hedgy guys and all of the banker guys. They were all there. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and guess what? They, they got together and they said, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, things aren't so good. 
right? The recovery's been horrible. The banks are under duress, and, and everything just feels like we're one misstep away from disaster. And they came up with the, I know, let's just keep doing the same exact thing. <laughs> but now we'll just make it even bigger. Because that, that, that's what was wrong. Right? Remember Ben Bernanke, right? The great, I guess, well, I don't know if he was great or not, but they, they claim that he was the foremost expert on the Great Depression. In other words, he did a big autopsy of it all. Right? And he, he, he researched it. He made a bunch of graphs and charts and all the like. And he came up with the, the problem was we just weren't loose enough with the policy. And, of course, you think about that being the, I guess, the prevalent thinking amongst these academia and bankers that somehow if the Federal Reserve had just been more active, had been looser with economic policy, that that we would be able to grow unlimited and prosper forever. Of course, one of the things that's wrong with that thinking is one of the reasons you prosper is not only because you are the greatest builder of things, but also that your currency is recognized as the strongest in the world. Right? When our currency was backed by gold, everybody everybody believed that. Matter of fact, one of the things when we won World War Two we, we rendered that, that great deal, right? Hey, by the way, now you gotta buy all all this stuff in dollars. That's that's the cost. And now that that has gone away, now we're starting to to realize what it is that they're doing. And you start thinking about all the Federal Reserve, all their stuff. Every time there's been a problem, right, they, they did their little thing. You lowered rates, right? That was the standard operating, that was the standard playbook. Right, it, it's kind of like if you're, uh, you know, it's third and long. But what? What you run a big pass play? What else can they do though? They're going to raise rates, right? I mean, well, what options do they have? Well, we're, we're right. This is a great question. What other options do they have? What should we do? We we've created these new tools, right? So that was their answer. You know what? These lowering of rates and the raising of rates, that's an old tool. And, you know, that tool doesn't work anymore. doesn't work as good as the new tool. And, and of course, really what happened and why they needed these new tools, why did the old tool stop working? And the reason is pretty simple. They've created too much debt. So now they've got a new tool. And actually, they've got several. 
which is we are going to print more money, as much money. We're going to buy all the bonds. We're going to misappropriate pricing for all of the debt instruments, whether it be bonds or stock. We're going to misprice people's retirements, right, by essentially punishing all of us, by not paying us that rate of return for the kindness of us, what, loaning the banks our hard-earned money? And so Homer asked the question, what else could they do? Well, we could go back to a gold standard. We could do that. Right? We could end this nonsense that the printing of money somehow translates into economic growth. It doesn't. I mean, it did at first. Right? It felt good at first spend money. Listen, anybody who's ever spent money that they didn't have, it felt good at first. Man, I really needed that vacation. Or hey, I really needed to get my hair done or whatever it may be. But I needed to go get that round of golfing, even though I really couldn't afford it. It's not until afterwards that you regret it, right? Because here comes the bill. Right? Here comes the credit card bill, and now you're like, oh, man. And this is really the situation that we find ourselves in today. But here at least is the good part, at least is the way I look at it. Janet Yellen has told us, forget about the old tools. We got all new tools. And by the way, we even got to still invent a few more. So what does that mean for all of us? Listen, we can, we can argue about it, right? I could wish that we'd go back to the gold standard, right? I could wish that we go back and really end too big to fail by breaking up the banks so none of them are that important that they cannot fail like we have today. But I could wish about all of those things. I could wish that, you know, I guess technically, technically this is the second longest economic recovery period in the history of our country. Did you know that? I did read that, yes. The second longest. And yet nobody gets paid any interest for their savings. Right here we sit with the second longest period. And you're telling me we got to have this debate about whether we can go from a quarter of a percent to half a percent? Right? When you look at from 1965 to 2000, the average federal funds rate was seven. Seven! And so now you start to think about, well, I guess wishing things to be different, that doesn't really work, does it? You know, your kid, boy, I wish my kid played more in that game the other day, or I wish this, or I wish that. We're not kids anymore. You don't wish right? upon, I mean, wishing upon a star. All you can do is base your decision about what it is that we, we actually know. 
I mean, we can still hope for them to change. But the realities are, after Friday, we now have the Federal Reserve's playbook. We know exactly what's going to happen. Janet Yellen's going to launch quantitative easing. She's going to start with $2 trillion. She's going to bring rates all the way back to zero immediately. And then hopefully, in her little chart, if we need to, we can have a very controlled negative interest rate policy. And we can, now here's where her hope comes in. And she's going to hope that it doesn't become uncontrolled. So now if, if, if I sat there and, and you were sitting there and you were listening to Janet Yellen give her little presentation, and, and you heard all of the things she said that they were going to do, and by the way, there was a bunch of tools she talked about that still need to be created. But the one thing that was very, very clear, she is going to punish any American citizen that has their money in the bank. That's the one thing. That was crystal clear. We are going to get punished. Matter of fact, they've been punishing us now for the better part of a decade. And then you sit there and you start to think about, well, what should I do about it? Now think about this, and this is why I bring this up. How good is the Federal Reserve at projection? I mean, just a simple question. Right? You know, you have these guys that come on the radio and the, the sports betters in Vegas. Right? They, they, they compulate all of the, this data, and then somehow they determine that the Cardinals are going to be a three-point favorite at home against the Rams. Prognosticators, they call them. And everybody would tell you most of the time those lines are pretty good. Right? Most of the time, right? You go to Vegas, you're, let's face it, Vegas runs sports books because they, they're betting on the fact that their bookies are better than you. And you would think that a, a private entity such as this central bank with all the data that they get to collect and amass, they would be the best sports bookies going. Yet even Janet Yellen on Friday admitted, man, we stink at this forecasting. Every time we make a forecast, it's always way too optimistic. And she's giving us another forecast. <laughs> but this forecast was like, well, when the bad, when the bad man comes, this is what we're going to do. And the, the real, I'm sitting there going, well, if that's your main case, well, I already know it's going to be way worse than that. Why? Because every time you do this, you're always too optimistic. And so she really said she did my job for me. 
She really did. She essentially told you, listen, if you have the means, you better start buying some hard assets. Right? Alan Greenspan's been saying it for a long time. He already knew this. Right? And this little, and let me tell you, don't be fooled. I, I want to be clear on this. They know what she said on Friday isn't reality. They know that. I believe that. Now, I can't prove it. Right? I'm not invited to the meeting. I can't prove it. But I got to believe that they already know it. Hey, listen, this is what we're just going to tell people this because the, the, the real truth is just too scary. Right? The real problems are just too scary. And if we tell people the real problem, all these fake prices that we got on the debt markets may come undone. All of a sudden, Wall Street's in free fall, you know, all of those things because, well, whoops. Here's what's really going to happen. What's really going to happen, could you imagine if they came out and said, Things are going to get bad. There's way too much debt. There's not enough money out there. We're going to have to go in and start taking people's money. We're going to have to go into their 401ks. We're going to go have to go into their IRAs. We're going to go have to go into their banks. And we're just going to have to take their money. How do you think that'd go over? This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. The Orlando shooting that resulted in the deaths of 49 innocent people was the largest mass shooting in American history. The tragic loss of life has many Americans wondering What should we do to stop the trend of violence sweeping the nation? People have to understand what motivated Omar Mateen to carry out this attack. Unfortunately, the left is only concerned with maintaining its political agenda. They are willing to do anything to keep people from acknowledging that Omar Mateen was acting on behalf of radical Islam. Planned Parenthood said Islam does not foment the violence alleged gunman Omar Mateen enacted. The statement shows how willfully ignorant the liberals are. Mateen's violent hatred of women, homosexuals, and minorities is a characteristic of radical Islam. We cannot address the terrorism issue without identifying what causes it. The Orlando shooting was an act of radical Islamic terrorism. Mateen said so himself by pledging allegiance to ISIS while carrying out the attack. However, President Obama and the left refused to acknowledge the role of radical Islam. They would rather blame the attack on guns and gun activists. Acknowledging the role of radical Islam is the first step to dealing with mass terrorist shootings. The United States needs to stop bringing in so many Muslim immigrants like Mateen's parents until we know how to handle them. Donald Trump's proposed ban on Muslim immigrants is the best solution for the danger we face. A Hillary Clinton presidency 
will leave America vulnerable to more deadly attacks from Islamic radicals. We need a commander-in-chief who will call out the enemy by name and confront them with the full force of America's strength. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Because they fear being labeled as bigots, most political and religious leaders are afraid to speak out in public against Muslim extremists. That's why only a grassroots movement can sound the alarm on radical Islamic terrorism. Will your voice be heard? Read, follow, and add to the blog at eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Page of Radio News Hour, Double J and the Love, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. You know, when you start thinking about uh, what the what the playbook is, there's the playbook they tell you about, right? And then there's the, the real one. It's right, kind of like the budget deficit. Here's the number we tell you about, but then uh, pay no attention about to what the real number is. Uh, speaking of real numbers, more people are defaulting on auto loans, according to the credit agencies, as they say the trend is going to continue. The percentage of people with subprime auto loans, those are loans that must be 60 days or more past due, surged into July and is now 17% higher than a year ago, almost 5% now of all subprime auto loans are 60 60 days or more past due. But don't worry, because even those with prime loans are defaulting as well. Matter of fact, that rate's increasing even more. That's up 21% from last July. Things are getting better. But these loans, they're packaged into bundles which are sold to investors. Much like mortgages were packed into bundles a decade ago before rising interest rates caused many of them to default. (laughs) What paper is this? That's the USA Today. The insert from the USA Today. See, why... What caused these loans to default was the people's inability to pay. Wow, Captain Obvious just showed right? up, right? But yet the paper said, oh, no, it was rising rates. Rates weren't rising in the 2000s. Matter of fact, remember, rates got so low as Alan Greenspan fault about the housing bubble. But this is what uh, it says. That, I'll just tell you what it said. Before rising interest rates caused many of them to default, eventually triggering the deepest economic crisis since the Great Depression. The annualized net loss rate, or the percentage of those subprime loans bundled, regarded as likely to default, by the way, is up 28% from July of last year. So... You know, once again, though, the Federal Reserve is talking about how great things are. How about this one? This was uh, the Wall Street Journal. And there's a huge, look at the size of that. What is that, like a combine? It's a tractor. Yeah, that thing is 
huge. It's a tractor with um, uh, tank type wheels, right? Wheels, right. The the belt rotating the and moving this monstrosity of a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's uh, bigger than those tiny houses you see. The annual gathering of farmers. The country's biggest agricultural show starts tomorrow against one of the gloomiest economic backdrops for U.S. farm belt in years. That's what the article starts with. It says the, uh, the show in Boone, Iowa, is the farmer's version of the Detroit Auto Show where the likes of tractor makers, Deere, C&H, Argo, and all the rest, they're all going to be there. And they said that this year, shaping up to be one of the worst years for farmers in decades. Just like the farmers are doing, they are pulling in their horns a bit, talking about not only are the manufacturers scaling back, the farmers are scaling back. The number of deer tractors held by dealers. Now, this is important because this is kind of very similar to car sales. So when most of us here, car sales were X, right, or tractor sales were Y, we believe that to mean someone went onto the lot and physically bought a car. Or someone went to the dealership and bought a new tractor. It doesn't mean that at all. Actually, what it means is this is how many cars we sent to the dealer, whether the dealer has sold them or not. This is how many tractors we sent, whether they've been sold or not. And according to, and this is, this is why things don't appear very good. Talking about the number of used deer tractors held by dealers has more than doubled over the past four years. So now you start thinking about all of these people that bought tractors couldn't afford them, traded them, and whatever it is, they've got double the supply now. Double. Of course, what does that do to the price? It just keeps going up. Well, the, it should force prices what? Down! Of course, when you got interest rates at zero, you can cover up a lot of things. It says that the trailing 12-month estimate for sales that a regular farm progress attendee, they said that there will be a record level of secondhand combines competing against the company's brand new machine. That doesn't sound good, does it? No, it doesn't. But, you know, the interesting thing about uh, being from a a farming town in Idaho, you know, how expensive it is just to buy a piece of farming equipment anyway. You know, you you buy yourself a combine for the potato harvest or whatever harvest you're doing. Today, if you look, if you've ever been to a farmer's auction, $250,000 to $800,000 is 
the dollar you're spending on a machine. And 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 that's to keep up with, you know, product and producing and all these things and your competitors. What are these farmers to do? I I I can't even explain how that could be that expensive, right? I mean, but these are this is really it's the same thing. There's no inflation. But yet the the tractors, the combine, I mean they cost more than a house. They absolutely do. And now they're saying, hey, by the way, <laughs> there's tractors everywhere. Then you think about there's used cars everywhere. You drive around this town, there's a used car lot. Uh, it seems like every corner, especially up here. Well, you know, another thing that's interesting, I don't remember if it, when you were in high school, the Future Farmers of America, that club in high school, did you guys have that in, in New York? Oh, yeah. Or, uh, in Iowa you did. Yeah, in Iowa, you absolutely did. I just wonder what their future as farmers is. Hey, come on back. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour. You know, and I just, I don't know, I just have a hard time with this, things are better baloney, right, and raising rates and all of that stuff when, you know, they already know. There's another massive bailing out, not of you or I, but of their banker friends. You know, this was in the in the op-ed of the Wall Street Journal today, and it's something that, again, things that, you don't realize are happening, are happening. You know, one of the things I brought to light last week was how back in 1933, FDR was railing against the money changers, right? Richard Nixon in 1971, when they closed again, railing against the money changers and how we've essentially gone, what, really just sold our souls to the money changers. And then I read this. That was some scene last week in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. The grandees of the Federal Reserve before their annual retreat with fellow central bankers took time to engage with the progressive activists of fed up. The meeting might have as well have been one of those roadshowed hearings by congressional committee. And why not? The Fed these days has more power than Congress. So thoroughly has the central bank taken over regulating finance since Dodd Frank so completely does it preoccupy financial markets and so broadly has it intruded into fiscal policy, the allocation of capital that Fed officials Janet Yellen, Stanley Fisher, Bill Dudley, and all the other cast of characters are now the most important economic decision makers in government. Fed-up activists are merely following the power. But why should Fed officials stop with them? 
If the Fed is going to be a political body, why not hold a hearing for savers whose retirement plans have been upset by seven and a half years of zero-rate policy? That'd be great. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, Janet Yellen, why don't you come and tell me why you're stealing from me? Why you're ripping me off? So you can help out one of your banker buddies. Wouldn't that be something? Or how about pension trustees? By the way, wow, does that gap just keep getting... That gap just keeps getting worse. We have no chance of ever meeting that obligation. How about meeting with them? who have seen their funding shortfall soar due to low interest rate policies. Once again, remember who they're going to screw. Somebody's got to take the hit, right? I mean, that's just how it works. Mistakes were made. Someone needs to take the hit for it. Here's the one thing you can count on. The central bank is going to make sure you take the hit. Whether it's in your pension, whether it's in your 401k, whether it's in your IRA, or whether it's just simply in your savings account. They're going to ensure that you take the hit. And they talked about what do they mean to be spoiled sports. There is in the minor detail that no one elects Federal Reserve governors. The Constitution gives Congress control over the money and the value, therefore, of. When Congress created the Federal Reserve a century ago, it included regional banks and presidents in part to insulate the central bank's monetary decision-making from political pressure. In other words, to put it bluntly, Congress gave the central bank control over the value of your money. And then they also gave them autonomy over the value of that money. As the decades have passed, the Fed itself is doing the, the uh, well, I guess what should have been decisions made by elected officials. Former Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke became a public fixture at the side of Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner when they began selling Obama's economic policy. The Fed moved directly into allocating capital with its QE bond pricing, tilting the policy towards certain people, in other words, they got into predicting the, what, the winners and the losers. When's the last time 
the Federal Reserve picked you as the winner. Fed policy to raise asset prices has favored affluent stock owners over middle-class savers who have bank accounts or lower-yielding investments. Here's the great part. They're just getting started on going after you. Final segment coming up. Final segment on a Monday as we try to digest what happened in Jackson Hole. Talking about the Federal Reserve's plan, the power that they've amassed, the power that they've grabbed, and really their playbook. Punish the people that have been working hard to be successful. If you've been able to save, right, if you've been able to, and I'm not talking about the elite, the super rich. I'm talking about the hard-working middle class of America, the lower part of the upper class to the lower part of the middle class is being decimated and gutted, and they're doing it on purpose. And they're trying to say in the name of economic policy, this is why they do it. And really what it is is it's the name in saving ourselves and our friends. And, of course, the more desperate they become, the more important it's going to be to have your money somewhere where they can't get it. If it's in your bank, they're going to get it. If it's in your 401K, they're going to get it. And And... Quite honestly, Janet Yellen pretty much said that much in Jacksonville. She didn't say it the way I did. But that's what she meant. Uh, quick look here. Gold's higher. Uh, silver's higher. Gold's at 13.22. Silver at $18.75. And I have it. I didn't know I had it until about five minutes ago. It's another. What a year. We've had some of the greatest specials. And this one is another one. I have 105, is that the number, Wendy? 105, 105 $10 Liberties. These are the gold pieces from 1866 to 1907. And we're going to do them for $710 a piece. That means... If you bought two $10 Liberties today, you'd be buying them for the equivalent of $98 over spot. $98 over spot. So if you're buying one, you're essentially buying each of these for $49 over the melt value of a half of an ounce of gold. And, and we rarely see gold get that low where you can buy it for under $100 over spot, and you, I don't want to say never, but even much more rarely do you ever see fractional gold be sold for that little over the spot price. So today's special, U.S. $10 Liberties, 
They're seven hundred and ten dollars. Uh, which if you bought two of them, it'd be fourteen twenty. Gold at thirteen hundred and twenty-two dollars. If you buy twenty or more, I'll throw in the shipping as well at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Uh, just to let you know, if you do use a credit card on this one, we will have to charge a credit card fee. Uh, but pick them up while you can, and that way you're going to be ready for when the Federal Reserve gets ready to enact the next part of their plan. Everybody have a great Monday. We'll talk again tomorrow.